You're listening to the Creatively Connected Classroom, episode number 14. Welcome to the Creatively Connected Podcast from Education Closet. Connecting teachers and ideas one glue stick at a time. Here's your hosts and K-12 Art Chat founders, Matt and Laura Grundler. Well, welcome to another episode of the Creatively Connected Classroom. Really excited to be here again today. I'm Laura Grunler, and this is Matt Grunler. And we are here with Tisha Richmond, and um, super excited to have her. She's the author of Make Learning Magical, and she recently hosted a K 12 art chat for us. So, welcome, Tisha. So glad you're here. Yeah. Thank you. I'm honored to be here. Thanks for having me. So before we started our introduction, you were kind of telling us a little bit about who you are and what you do exactly. So if you could kind of tell our our listeners, that would be awesome. Yeah, absolutely. So I have been in education 22 years. I was a culinary arts teacher at South Medford High School for 13 years in the career and technical education department. And just recently this year, I took on a role at the district office as a tech integration specialist. So this is my first time in 20 out of the classroom and it's a different, very different, but I love it. I love the opportunity to support teachers and help them integrate technology into the classroom is innovation and learning magical. That's, that's my part. Awesome. Well, as far as making learning magical, what, I mean, that's the title of your book, but what does it mean to you and where did that come from? Cause it's obviously we had a lot of fun creating your promos <laughs> for the chat just because it's so fun. Absolutely. So really my story began in 14. So in 2014, I was ready to throw a towel and leave education. I had these working as a barista, local coffee shop and professional art. I mean, I, those thoughts came to my mind more often than I'd like to admit. Um, something happened there in that as a career in technical education group, all of the culinary teachers did we were going to write a proposal to Carl Perkins funding for iPads. And at the time, sure, that would be cool, but I know very much about how we were going to use these iPads. But we received the grant, and then I even received another grant through CenturyLink. And oh, that iPads, I wanted it to be more than a tool for just researching recipes. I wanted them to transform learning into my, in my classroom, but I had no clue how to do that. I had my own personal iPad, but I'd never used them for student learning before. And so part of our grant, we were able to get some professional development. So I decided to go to this conference called iPad Palooza in Austin, Texas. And I was blown. My mind was blown. I'm like, oh my gosh. We've like, been there. We've been there. <laughs> we probably crossed paths and didn't know. Oh, yeah. It was 2014 that I went. And I was just like, yeah. what in the world? There's all of these amazing things that people are doing, that educators are doing with technology and smashing these apps together. And people are sharing their Twitter handles and they're sharing resources. And there was games like where you could like take profile pics yeah. on Twitter. And I'm like, what in the heck have I been missing out on? <laughs> And so that was really kind of the catalyst that really started me on this journey. And that summer, I started to get connected on Twitter. And I saw this conference for Miami Device in Miami. Oh. And they were having people sign up to register to win this trip to Miami to go to this conference. And I was feeling pretty inspired at that moment. And I had like literally like two followers on Twitter, like no one was following me. And the contest said, if you can create something 
explaining why you want to go to this conference and share it with the world, then you'll be entered to win. I'm like, what do I have got to lose? You know, I have two followers. I just learned all these cool things. I got this. And so I entered to win and I won. And so then I went to Miami device and same thing. I was just completely blown away. But what I really found was my tribe. I found this tribe of educators that I continue to follow after the conference. And I really started to learn what it meant to be a connected educator. And from there, I mean, oh my goodness, I started taking risks in my classroom. I started trying new things. I fell flat on my face plenty of times, but with each win, it gave me more courage to try something else new. And so over the course of of time, I just started to find that learning was really becoming magical in my classroom. And I was a different educator. I no longer dreamt of leaving education to create latte art. Like I was loving (laughs) what I was doing. So I've had these adventures that have made up my story and that I want to help other educators find that too. Find what they can do to create magical, unforgettable learning experiences in their classroom. We're all going to have a different story, but I have found that there have been seven keys to really unlocking that magic in my classroom. And that's what Make Learning Magical is all about. Wow. Awesome. Well, I just got really goosebumps because just we purposely put the name Connected in the podcast title, because to us, it's about the creativity and then the connections. And the connections are are with the PLN, they're with just all kinds of how everything comes together. And it's, it is magical how it all interacts and it all interweaves. And, and just sitting here thinking we were probably at the same iPad. I know we were at the same iPad oh, yeah. in 14. Yeah. Yeah. And that's really also where our adventure kind of started. Cause yeah. I came back from that iPad Palooza and I said, Oh my gosh, we've got to do this. We've got to do that. <laughs> you know, it's, it's just, it's very invigorating when you find your tribe and when you find things start to click. Hmm. Well, you find an extra spark. For me, you had already gone to iPad Palooza the year prior. And then I went with you the next year. And that was, you know, I started getting into the Teach Like a Pirate book and really started after going to iPad Palooza, I was inspired to start a whole filmmaking club for my fourth and fifth graders. And we had some pieces that the next year we had submitted for the next year iPad Palooza. And yeah, Yeah, it's just amazing. I think what you hit on, though, is that I think that we all as educators, it's a hard job. It's not easy. And you look at it and you're thinking, where and we had just talked to another young lady about trying to simplify it in, in, in some ways. But it, to me, it's also about how you re-energize and get that spark going and start to see the clicking happen for your kids. I thought it was really cool that you said the connected part because it is, it's really the connectivity and the creativity together. I'd like to hear a little bit more about how you used iPads in a culinary arts setting. Yeah, absolutely. So... I began gamifying my classroom and it was really after 2014, I met the author of Explore Like a Pirate, Michael Matera. He was one of those people in that tribe that I continued to connect with after. And I think the very first step for me with bringing the iPads into my class is, okay, I needed to figure out a new workflow. What were these going to look like? How are they going to be used? And I found Google Classroom and I kind of found this new workflow that I had to work with. But then I started realizing the power of these devices being used to do things that weren't possible without them and really get students creating and collaborating and critical thinking and all those, those four C's that we talk about. I really wanted to see those come to life in the classroom. And so really, as I started 
One of the huge changes that I made in my classroom is that I, that I gamified everything. And so just to give you an example, in my culinary three class for a semester, we learn about American regional cuisine. And so my students form teams. They become food truck owners. They create a food truck name. They create a food truck logo and they create a concept. Wow. And so for instance, I had a food truck this last year that was called Crepe Diem. So they were the <laughs> so them, they were specializing in crepes and they had to come up with a pitch to pitch to an authentic audience of investors on what their price point was going to be, what they're specializing in, what their menu is going to be, and then how they were going to adapt these crepes as they moved across the United States. And so each food truck pitched their concepts. We brought in local food truck owners. We brought in our staff, some people at the district office. And students, they had a pitch and they shared what they were going to do. And then my, our investors had money that they allocated to the teams. They felt had the best pitches and they had rubrics that they evaluated on. And that launched us into this amazing food truck race across the United States. And so we would go from region to region of the United States and we would learn about the flavor profiles and the cuisine of that region. And then students would come up with presentations to demonstrate what they knew about that part of America. And so some would create iMovie presentations, some would be stop motion animation, some would, they would create infographics and menus on Canva. So they use these devices to demonstrate their learning in these powerful ways. And they were given choice. They were given choice to how they wanted to demonstrate their learning, but they would create, and then we would invite those investors back as customers. And my students would give their presentations. They would show what they created. They would have their crepe dish to match the flavor profile and the cuisine of that region. So their crepes would morph as we went to each region, really demonstrating what they knew about the flavors. And so that's kind of how the iPads really were used were for creation. So we, we have the hands-on, we're creating with food all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and students are bringing their iPads into their kitchens with their recipes and that sort of thing, just as like a workflow. But then they're using their iPads to create beyond the food and demonstrate their learning in, in powerful ways. Wow. That's awesome. Yeah. That's really cool. Well, it makes me think of your fourth question you asked during the chat, creative opportunities for students to be empowered learners. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I, the whole chat was amazing because all of your questions spoke to any teacher from any audience just in general about creativity, but that's something I know that Matt and I are very, very passionate about is empowering the learner and giving them choice in demonstrating their learning. What are some other ways you allow for choice in tech ed or the culinary arts? Right. One of my very favorite things that happens in in my culinary class, and this is a culinary two class, which we have a whole other theme. We do the master chef competition that lasts a semester, but we learn different areas of food within that class. So let's say we learn pies and pastries. So my students are learning the methods and and how to make pies and pastries throughout this unit. But at the end of the unit, I have a master chef challenge and I tell students, okay, you've learned how to make pies and pastries. Now you have a challenge. You are going to make a pie crust, but not only are you going to make a pie crust, you're going to do it without the recipe. You're going to do it based on how you know to make a pie crust. But we're not stopping there. You are going to make it into something that blows our minds. And the first look on their face is horror. They're like, oh my gosh, what? We're not going to be able to use the recipe? Are you kidding me? And I'm like, no, I'm not kidding you. And then to see them go back to their kitchens 
and start talking and collaborating and communicating and realizing we don't need a stinking recipe. We can make this high crust. We've done it over and over again. And to yeah. see them own it and go, oh my gosh, you know, we really do know how to do this. We can prove this, but then not stopping there, but saying not only do we know how to make, do this, we can make it into something that will blow her mind and all of the judges' minds that come in. And they do every single time. I mean, you would be amazed at the things that these students create. There was one where they had made these turnovers to look like snow-topped mountains. And they had created like a scene in the background with types of syrups and Oh my goodness. They made a s'more that the bottom and top crust was made out of pie crust to look like a graham cracker. And then they had marshmallow and chocolate ganache in the middle with this spice combination and these chocolate dipping sauces on the side. And the things that they do are things that I would have never thought creativity was unleashed when you ask them to demonstrate what they know, but then take it further and to do it in a creative way that is all of their own. And all of those four C's are engaged as they do that. And then we have judges come in just like we do at the food truck race where we have our staff come in and sometimes it depends, but sometimes we have owners come in as well and they have a judging table and stu- bringing their dishes and to see them come to life as they realize that they made something pretty amazing and they're getting to show it and have others taste it that they respect, whether it's people in the industry or other teachers from other classes or staff members that they respect. And maybe they don't shine in math or they don't shine in English, but they can shine as they show this creation that they made out of pie crust. And so that is where, oh my gosh, there's so many times that they are presenting their food and sometimes the most introverted quiet students are, they just beam and they just can't wait to explain what they made. And they can't, and they just, it was almost awkward for the judges because the students just sit there. I mean, just stand there like <laughs> what they're going to say. And sometimes they're like, okay, now you guys can go back to your class, you know, back to your groups, have a debrief in a little bit, just because the judges are like, oh my gosh, what do I say? But it's really, really special. And I have had tears form in my eyes almost every time, just because it's, so heartwarming to see these kids own their learning. It's just a powerful thing. I mean, I know Laura and I have seen that time and time again in, in the art room. You know, you have those kids that really struggle in other areas and then to see them pull that all of that learning from everywhere else and pull it into their art and what amazing things they end up making. Just, it's, I mean, there's... A, the pride level just goes through the roof. It's that, so. that moment for them to shine. Yeah. I, you know, I tell our teachers all, all the time, one of our biggest missions is to allow kids that opportunity to shine. Yes. Um, yeah. Hi there, this is Susan Riley, founder of Education Closet. If you love these conversations with Team Grundler and friends, please be sure to check out K-12 Art Chat on Twitter. The chat is held every Thursday at 8.30 p.m. Central, and it's a great way to continue the conversation. Just go to twitter.com and search hashtag K12ArtChat. We look forward to chatting with you over there soon. Now let's head back to the show. You know, you kind of hit on it. One of your questions was the the opportunities for exploration, giving Mm -hmm. those kids a chance to really tap into their curiosity and tap into resources just everywhere else and a willingness just to try. And so I think that is such a huge key. Yeah. So, well, and I was, I'm curious too, do your students ever fail? Oh yeah. I mean, we all do, right? (laughs) When I tell students, like sometimes I'll try something in class and I'm like, okay, we're going to try this new thing today. I don't know how it's going to work, but we're going to learn together. We're going to do this together. And it just becomes this safe space. And I think it's really important 
as teachers that we create an environment that feels safe for them, that they can take risks and they are if they fail, they feel like they're going to do it in a safe environment where there's going to be encouragement and we're going to help them get back on their feet and, and try again and keep iterating. It's so important. And I think it, it's really important as teachers that we are modeling that for kids like this. I'm taking a risk here too. And they've seen me fail and they know that not everything works, but they feel more safe taking those risks if they can see that I'm willing to do it as well. Yeah. I, the whole chat I was just like, is, yeah, yeah, where do you go next? Because <laughs> there was so much that was so much great fodder back and forth oh, between everybody that was participating. Mm-hmm. You even talked about the idea of gratitude. You know, how does gratitude fit into education? Right. I just think that it's so important that we appreciate each other. And I know that in my classes, one thing that I do at the very beginning of the semester is I really am intentional about creating experiences where we build team and we build this, like I said before, this safe community. And so all of different teams are every single day, just so that students get to know each other, because I'm sure as in your art classes, mixed there's mixed grades I mean, oh, yeah. a lot of kids are with the same kids every single class period but then they go to their electives and they're in this mixed class mm-hmm. and so they don't know each other and so I think it just becomes this common language that we we appreciate each other and we appreciate all of the skills that each brings to the table and students know that when they miss the class their team is going to miss them because they have special skills that are going to be missing if they're not there. Mm -hmm. And so I think just being really intentional about appreciating each kid and the individual skill sets and uniqueness that they bring to the team that they can see that in themselves. And, you know, sometimes the, my group, my teams are so eclectic, the pieces of abilities and but they all know that they're valued and that they bring something special to the table. And I think that it's important that we are intentional about creating an environment where that happens. And we are showing appreciation and gratitude to each other. And I think that's one of the things that really is heartwarming when we do these challenges is that even though there's this healthy competition going on between teams, I see teams going to other groups and saying, wow, I love how you did that. Can you share with me what you did to make that happen? Or, wow, you guys really crushed it today. And they acknowledge each other, even though they're kind of, they're competing against each other. There's this common love for each other. There's this team feel in the class where it's a family. It's a family of learners that are all helping to make each other stronger. And so... I just think it's it's something that you have to be intentional about creating from the very beginning of your class. That that's what this class, this is the feel that this class is going to have. Yeah, I want to be in her class. <laughs> <laughs> I think the word intention is such a powerful word. You know, as we go through the podcast, it's something. There are commonalities that I keep thinking to myself as I'm talking to each person in these interviews. And one of the words that keeps coming up is intention mm-hmm. and being very intentional about how you and purpose. Yeah. Purposeful, intentional mm-hmm. around how you build the space in your classroom about the safe environment and really being purposeful about setting up the lesson plans and all of those things. I think that sometimes, especially when you get to be a veteran teacher, you kind of just sometimes are on autopilot mm-hmm. and maybe that's, it's a good reminder that you can't always be on autopilot, that you really need to be about, intentional about the environment of your classroom, 
the lesson plans, each group, each period of kids being so different and unique. I mean, that's so, so important to remember. So your book, your book that you wrote has just come out. It's called yeah. Learning Magical. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Same idea. Um, we dyslexic people to yeah. get it wrong. <laughs> so what made you, I mean, we've heard bits and pieces of it, but what was it that really came down to inspiring you to write this book? I just really wanted to share my story. And I feel like there's so many educators out there that are tired and burnt out and at the same place that I was, where they're ready to throw in the towel because there's a lot of initiatives, there's a lot of demands on educators, educating hard. Being a teacher is very, very hard. And I felt that by sharing my story, I would hopefully inspire other educators to realize that there's more. There's more to education and that we can truly transform our classes into unforgettable places and create unforgettable experiences for students and transform our teaching. And that I had just found these keys along the way that had really untapped that magic in my classroom. And I just thought, you know, even if it's just a handful of teachers that I can save from that are amazing teachers that are doing amazing things for kids, but are ready to leave, then it will be worth it for me to be able to share the experiences that I've had as an educator and how my own educational formed. That's beautiful. Just thinking further, what are some, I don't know if you want to share the keys from the book, but are there any pieces of advice that you would give to the teachers that you're hoping to have them rethink their path? Yeah, absolutely. So I will share my, the seven keys. So the M is for memorable beginnings. So just as I was explaining before, those first days are critical. Like how are we creating memorable beginnings for our students so that they will feel safe and be willing to take risks in our classroom and they feel valued as individuals? That's so important. A is for authenticity and agency. So how can we be authentic in our profession? How can our students be authentic as learners? And how can we open up choice for our students so they have a sense of agency. G is for gamified strategies because that has been a real change in the way that I do Mm -hmm. learning in my classroom is that I've gamified each of my classes. And so it talks about how I've broken, how I have structured that gamified experience in my classroom. I is for innovation. And I have definitely embraced an innovator's mindset over the four years. And so it talks about how we as educators need to continue to take risks and model that risk-taking for our students so that they see, because there's so much power in it. I will tell you that if it weren't for the risks that I've taken along the way, there's no way that I would be at this point as an educator. There's no way that I would have a book published by Dave Burgess Consulting. I've taken a lot of risks and Mm -hmm. I'm not saying all of them have been successful, but each one has made me more courageous as an educator and as a person. And looking back, I just see how each step has opened up this world of opportunity for me. C is for creativity, collaboration, and curiosity. And so just kind of sharing through the experiences that I have, you can see how some of those things play into my classroom experience. But there's a lot of magical C's out there. I kind of had to narrow it down. (laughs) Hard to narrow that one down. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But those have been really foundational in creating that classroom magic. A at the end is for authentic audience. And so every unit, we bring in an authentic audience that is 
parents can demonstrate what they've learned. And that has been so powerful and so exciting. And really one of the most favorite parts of my classroom is seeing students own their learning, become empowered and shine in front of an authentic audience. And then we've also had global collaborations with teachers like Stephanie Crawford in Chicago and Brandy Miller in Florida, where we're not the same age student. Brandy has first graders. I have high school students, but they were able to collaborate together, which is really, really powerful when we can take our collaborations on a global scale. And then legacy is the L. And as educators, we all, we're leaving a legacy Mm -hmm. and we are empowering our students to leave a legacy. And so the last chapter of the book is just really empowering us as educators. We place that an important, amazing role where we can truly be life changers and make an impact on education and on our students' lives. And so it's really empowering us to action to make that happen in our own educational worlds. Wow. I love the legacy. And I think it's hard to see, especially if you've only taught a couple of years, that legacy piece. But when, when you become older, more veteran, <laughs> seasoned, a seasoned, seasoned educator, you start to see that legacy come back. Mm-hmm. I mean, you start to see. Oh, I, I mean, students. teaching at the elementary level, I mean, for 13 years. And then I finally am starting to, or saw as they would come back, getting ready to move on to college. And you see that, that the impact. impact you know? They remembered their elementary art teacher mm-hmm. and they wanted to make sure to say thank you. And just it, sometimes we, you just don't know, and you're not always going to see it. And you have to remember that that legacy continues, whether you see it or not. And I think that's something we lose sight of. Lo- sometimes. sometimes we lose sight mm-hmm. of it. So I like that you ended that with legacy. That's really, really special. So I'm thinking as kind of almost kind of like our last question, you know, how would you, what kind of wisdom would you give, I guess, or how would you go about encouraging other teachers to be courageous? You know, you talked about courage. How would you reach out to those teachers that might be a little bit hesitant, you know, about really trying to be courageous in the classroom? I would say get connected. I mean, really, there's so much power in becoming a connected educator. There's so much encouragement to be found when you're connecting on Twitter, when you create groups on Voxer where you're communicating. I have a group on Voxer that we communicate on a daily basis. We're always sharing out ideas. We're giving encouragement just on life. You know, life happens. We have hard things happen. And and it's just that constant daily encouragement with like-minded people, you know, that are all passionate education. And for a long time, I lived in a silo. I was a culinary teacher. I was a singleton culinary teacher mm-hmm. without anybody else, or so I thought, yeah. <laughs> even within my PLC. I did not have other educators to collaborate. Once I started connecting, I can learn from the kindergarten teacher. I can learn from the art and the PE and the science and the health and the English teachers. And I can take what they're doing and it may not look the same, but I can take some of those ideas and I can bring it into my own classroom, into my own experience, and I can make it my own. And that really was a game changer for me in realizing that I don't have to teach in a silo. There's no reason in this day and age to teach in a silo because we there's literally people from all around the world that we can be collaborating and connecting and encouraging in this journey. And that I would say was one of the, that's where I started, was really becoming connected and realizing there was this bigger world out there that I didn't realize existed. <laughs> we, we Laura understand. and I agree with that one. <laughs> 
kids. Yeah. <laughs> well. We've seen it time and time again for connected educators and, and the impact it makes on, on their teaching and their students. So thank you so much for sharing with us today. Amazing. Thank you for hosting the chat. Honor. Thank you for continuing to be a passionate voice for other educators and everything you do, Tisha. So oh, thank you so much. It truly was an honor to host the chat and it's an honor to talk to you today. So thank you so much. Yeah. Well, as you know, we'll be in touch again. Oh, absolutely. So, until um, next time. I look forward right. to it. <laughs> Bye. Right. Thank you. Bye. 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 Heads up, 7up friends. If you've been enjoying these episodes, be sure to subscribe to the Creatively Connected Classroom podcast. You'll get a notification every time we release a new episode each and every week. And take a screenshot and put it on your favorite social media, Twitter, Insta, Facebook, you name it. Tag Education Closet and K-12 Art Chat so we can reach out and say thanks. And if you really love us with all the feels, give us a review and or a rating over on iTunes. It helps others find the show and connect with our incredible community. Thanks for all your support.